Have a nice day. Thank you. Hi. Hi. I'm Dustin. I'm Robin. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, is she here? Is who here? Henderson. <laughs> Henderson. He's back. He's back. I'm back. You got the job. You got the job. Hooray. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How many children are you friends with? And now you know how excited I am to see all of you back in Ames. God is good. He brought you back. Come on. Oh. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor at Lutheran Church of Hope in Ames. That means I also get to be a part of Kairos. And I am just so glad that I get to do that. It means the world to us that you've shown up here tonight. And I want to know who's here. So let's do a little bit of a roll call. Uh, seniors, you're getting up there. Seniors, can you believe senior year? But seniors, if there are any seniors here, give me a whoop. Seniors, give me a whoop. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right, juniors, you're getting old. I'll tell you what. Hey! Did you have to cue that sophomores? I've never seen your face because you've always worn masks. Where are you at? All right. And first years. I'm so glad you're here. Give God some praise for our first years, huh? Yeah, we're so glad. One more time. If you're excited to be here tonight, to be experiencing the first night of Kairos 2021-2022, give God a shout of praise. It's good. It is good. You're turning to the person next to you. You're like, you promised me it wouldn't be weird. Why are we shouting? Why are we screaming? We are a little bit weird, but we're also a lot of fun um, because we worship an amazing God, and, and we don't hold back the fun on that. And, uh, and it wouldn't be as fun if you weren't here. So thank you so much for coming. We say this around our church all the time. We believe it is no accident that you are here. In fact, we've been praying for you. When we say that, we do not simply mean like, oh, you're a puppet, and God's a puppeteer, and, and he picked you up and, and forced you to be here. But instead, what we mean is we believe that when God thought of this night, he, he thought of you. It's kind of a theme in the Bible. God thinks about you. God aligns things for you. You're always on God's mind. It says this in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be hopping in the book of Ephesians tonight. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Before God even spun the world into creation, you were already on God's mind. How cool is that? When God thought of the world, he thought of you. When God thought of creating the world, he knew it wouldn't be done until you were made. And when God wanted to make his family bigger, he knew that his family wasn't complete without you. You're here. God thought of this night and he thought of you. God's been ordering things all along just for you to be here. In the book of Romans chapter 8, it gives us this theme as well. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. God's been working everything in history for you to exist. Do you know how crazy that is? Isn't it wild to think that you exist? Do you feel important? I think that sometimes it's easy to maybe not feel super important. Maybe it doesn't feel like God knows us. Maybe it doesn't feel like the creator of the universe is ordering everything in all of history just so that we could be together, just so that we could know God and that God could know us. But did you know that you're so important? What would it take for you to feel important? I think sometimes we think, well, it would take something interesting about me to be important. So you're working so hard. You're, you're trying to do things to get people to notice you. Like, I would be important if there was something special and unique about me. Okay. What if you made the honor roll, right? 
statistics say that there's about a one in five chance that every that out of all people here, one in five of you will make the honor roll. Congratulations. And some of you are looking around like, oh, it's okay. It's a good chance. You could go for that. Be something unique. It'd be something special. What if you made it to the top of your field? What if you're so special in your area of life that you got all the awards? What if you're creative and you someday win an Academy Award? Did you know that the chances of winning an Academy Award are one in 11,500? I mean, like, it's not great chances, but you got a shot, so go for it, right? Maybe you're sitting there like, well, what if I had a story of survival? Everybody would be so interested in me. I mean, what if I got struck by lightning? Like, super not fun or anything. But nonetheless, you know, the odds of getting struck by lightning are one in 115,000. Is that what you wanted to hear tonight? It's actually, like, actually, those odds are a little bit better than I thought, and I don't feel very good about that. What if you had all the money that you could ever ask for? What if you won the lottery? More money that could be spent in generations. There's a one in 300 million chance that you win the jackpot. Probably not your best investment. You're saying to yourself, oh, if I had something unique about me, if I had something significant, then I'd be important. Then I'd have something to talk to people about. Then they would notice me. Well, if that's true, you are already incredibly more important than you ever thought. Because way more important than grades, way slimmer odds than winning an award, way smaller of a chance than getting struck by lightning or winning the lottery. The chances of you existing are so slim. What do you think the odds are that you exist? When you think about like all the generations that have come before you, right? What did it take for your parents to meet each other, for their parents to meet each other, for their parents to meet each other, and their parents to meet each other? What are the odds of all those different things happening just for you to exist to be here tonight? One in 400 trillion. Do you think you're not important? There's a doctor, his name is Ali. He has his MD and he's also a master of philosophy. What a title. He said this about it. Imagine there was one life preserver thrown somewhere in the ocean and there's exactly one turtle in all these oceans swimming underwater somewhere. They prob the probability that you came about and exist today is the same as that turtle sticking its head out of water in the middle of that life preserver on one try. It's incredible. It's a miracle that you exist. Do you still believe that you're not important? Do you still believe that you don't matter? God says you do. God had 399,999,999,999,999 other options and God chose you. You were not rushed together. You were not thrown and said, oh, here you are. God took his time with you. God was careful with you. The Bible says that you're a wonderful, beautiful masterpiece says this again in the book of Ephesians chapter two. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has good stuff for you in mind. You are important. God does have a plan and a vision and a dream for your life. God loves you. And God's been proving it to you since before the world even began. God was not done creating the world until you were in it. God didn't call his family finished until you were born. This night wouldn't be the same without you. When God thought of it, God thought of you. I think that that can be really reassuring um, and it can be encouraging because sometimes uh, it can be scary in life. Anybody feel like they're walking into a scary season of life? It doesn't really matter if you're a first year, if you're a sophomore, if you're a junior or senior getting ready to move out and go into the world. You can feel like you're going into a scary season. 
college is one of the wildest times of your life, isn't it? I mean, think about it. It is reality TV just played out in front of you every single day. Take a bunch of 18 to 24, 25-year-olds, put them in these tiny little compartments and call them living spaces and say, okay, go for it. It could be scary. What am I doing here? What's happening? You have all these different expectations. I mean, my goodness, if, if this life was planned for me, if I'm not in an accident, why does everything sometimes feel like it's falling apart? Why did I have big expectations for my roommate and I showed up and he's really into burning incense? What? That has nothing to do with me. It's like a mixture of, of, of fresh leaves and dead possum. I, I don't understand it. You are important. You do matter. There is encouragement. There is a sense of reassuring that's here for your soul tonight. It's one thing when, when you're scared, but it's another thing when your parents are scared for you. Anybody have that moment within the last week where your parents drop you off and you're crying, but then they're crying and maybe you never saw your parents cry in your entire life until that moment? You're like, what are they gonna do to me here? You can take hope. You can have encouragement. You can know that there's a God who says you are a masterpiece and I wasn't done creating the universe until you were here. I know that it can be very scary because you think, well, I have all these different choices that I have to make. I mean, my goodness, I already chose my major. I already chose my school. What if those things were wrong? I found it interesting. Um, I read this week that students who are coming to college and students who are in college are dealing with the same fears that I was dealing with when I came to college several years ago. The, the fear has stayed consistent, and it's, it, it, it's fear of choices. You've got all these different things that you have to decide. Maybe you're wondering yourself, what if I make the wrong choice that leaves me in the wrong place at the wrong time? Up at the top of the list for college students, according to a survey that surveyed thousands of college students across the country, said that students are afraid of the major that they've chosen. What if it was wrong? Students are afraid of the school that they've shown up to. What if it was wrong? But it's not just like those big things. It's also, what if I end up in the wrong friend group? What if I end up on the wrong date? What if I end up with the wrong person for life? What if I say the wrong thing in class and my professor isn't impressed? What if I put the wrong thing on my resume and they deny my application? What if I do the wrong thing and it leads me to the wrong place at the wrong time? You ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time and you just knew it? You ever been so scared because you realized you were in the wrong place at the wrong time? So as a pastor, I get the opportunity um, to walk with people through all these different seasons of life. Um, and one of the seasons of life that I walk with people through, or I walk through with people, is loss. And I was uh, planning a funeral with uh, a family that's in our church. Um, this family, they had lost, it was a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather who lived this long and full life. And they loved him dearly. And yes, he did everything it seemed like he wanted to in his life, but it was still sad because death always is. It's tough. But the planning's going normal, and all I know is that, okay, we've got the script, we've got the sermon ready to go, we've got the stories, we've got the songs, we've got all this, we're ready to roll. All I have to do is show up at Hamilton's in Des Moines at two o'clock. Hamilton's in Des Moines at two o'clock. The day of the funeral shows up, it's about noon, I'm here in Ames, I'm like, okay, time to go, let's go. So I take the, the trip down to Des Moines, I show up to Hamilton's at about 12.45, I show up and there's already people there, I'm like, wow, what an amazing guy. 
This guy's name was Lester, and I was like, wow, Lester, I mean, he had an even, even bigger impact on people than I thought. So I show up, there's this long line that's awaiting to uh, view the open casket and greet the family, and I'm doing what I always do when I show up to a funeral. I'm, I'm wearing a suit, I'm wearing a tie, uh, I'm carrying what I always carry, I'm carrying my Bible and my hymnal and my sermon notes. I'm doing what I'm always doing. I, I'm saying hi in, a, in a, the best pastoral way that I can. I, I'm saying to people as they walk by, I'm so sorry for your loss, God bless you. I'm just trying to be as kind as I can. The line was so long, I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to get to the family. So I go to the back room, I sit back there like I always do, and I start to review my sermon, and I'm just waiting because about 30 minutes before the sermon starts, before the service starts, the funeral director usually comes back and says, okay, it's time to pray with the family. That time was coming up and no one showed up, and I'm very confused. Things started to get odd. Things started to feel wrong. But eventually, like, if the funeral director doesn't show up, surely someone from the family is going to come find me, right? Nobody's showing up. And again, this is feeling really wrong. So I step outside of the back room. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and wait my turn in line. I'll go up to the family. I'll make sure they know I'm here and that we're ready to go. And again, things felt wrong. I'm standing here in this line and I'm feeling awkward. I'm looking around the room like, I don't recognize any of you. And like, nothing's really hitting me yet at this point. I'm still trying to be kind, nice and pastoral. I'm so sorry for your loss. God bless you. As they're walking by and I'm getting closer to the casket and I'm getting closer to the front and still I'm not recognizing anybody. Now that's not entirely unique. Maybe I just wouldn't know everybody who is involved in this guy's life. But then I, I get up to the family. I'm like, this must be the other side of the family that I haven't met yet. It started to feel wrong, but it wasn't hitting me yet. Then I get to the casket and I look at the body and I say, well, that's interesting. I thought Lester was bald. This guy has hair. It still wasn't hitting me. I go out into the lobby, I see a program for the funeral, and this isn't Lester, this is Richard. You don't know fear until you are the wrong pastor at the wrong funeral at the wrong time. I am sweating through my suit. I am sprinting out the room. I'm so sorry. I got to go. I'm trying to keep it together. Like, God bless you. Okay, all right, see, I got to go. I get in my car. I'm not, like, I'm not dangerous, but I was eagerly trying to approach the other Hamiltons that's in Des Moines. Turns out there's two Hamiltons funeral homes in Des Moines. So I'm trying to go there. I call the funeral director. I'm so sorry. I showed up the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, please tell the family I'll be there as soon as I can. As by the time that I get to the correct funeral home, the right place, I burst into the door. I've got three minutes to spare. I throw it up. I'm like, Woo! I'm so sorry for your loss. God bless you. And the family's just laughing. They think it's hysterical. It's the funniest thing they've ever seen in their entire life. I walk up to his daughter, Gayla, and she says, this better make a sermon, right? I'm like, all right, Gayla, here you go. I texted her today. I'm like, hey, it's so cool if I do that, right? And she's like, yeah, she's laughing. She's having a hysterical time. I showed up to the wrong place at the wrong time. I was entirely embarrassed. I was humiliated. I made the wrong choice, right? Like I had two Hamiltons to choose from and I chose the wrong one. Showed up to the wrong place at the wrong time. I was so embarrassed. I was so humiliated. But what happens when you show up to the wrong place at the wrong time and you're still accepted, you're still received, you're still loved, you're still cared for? We're, uh, I mean, I was so nervous by the time that we're starting that funeral service. I'm standing there behind the pulpit. I'm like, today we gather to celebrate and mourn the life of Richard. Uh, not Richard, sorry, Lester. And now like the congregation is trying to comfort me. Like, it's okay, pastor, you're gonna be fine. Like, I'm supposed to comfort you. But they were receiving me and, and they were accepting me and in a very strange way. They, they thought that it was, it was funny. It's amazing, when, even when you make the wrong choice to show up to the wrong place at the wrong time and somebody receives you and accepts you, it has a way of making things right, doesn't it? It's called grace. 
Grace is a word that shows up over and over in the Bible. It says it in Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Here's what I want you to know about grace. There is no choice that could undo grace. There is no choice that could change God's choice of giving grace to you. Grace is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't do something. You can't make the right choice to be in the right place at the right time. God loves you. God's given you grace. Here's the choice that God made. God chose to show up in your life. In those wrong places at the wrong time. Jesus has a knack for showing up to those places. I invite you sometime this week to open up your Bible and read the stories of Jesus and see the places where he shows up. It seems like the wrong place at the wrong time, but in those places, he always gives his grace. It's not based on the choice that somebody else makes, but it's based on the faithful choice that Jesus has made to show up in your life, to give you grace, to make the wrongs right. Jesus chose you all the way to the end of life. Jesus chose you all the way into death. Jesus chose your life over his life. And when death swallowed him up, Jesus chose life again. And he came back and he won a victory. And he chooses to share that with you. There is no taking that away. When God gives a gift, the world can't steal that from you. This is grace. You can't earn it. You can't make a choice that would diminish it. It's grace follows you wherever you go. It's faithful to you. God saved you by his grace. How reassuring is that? God shows up in those places that feel like the wrong place at the wrong time, and maybe it makes you feel like you're really wrong. You ever remember times in your life when you just felt so wrong? You know that, um, there was a, an article that came out from the International Journal of Behavior Science, and it said that 70% of people 70% of people are struggling with imposter syndrome. If you don't know what imposter syndrome is, imposter syndrome is this deep feeling of anxiety that the person that people perceive you to be is a fake. 70% of people believe that they're putting up some sort of front and if everybody found out who they were underneath of that, they wouldn't like them anymore. 70% of people believe if you got to know me better, you would like me less. It's not from God. That's a message from a thief trying to steal your joy, trying to steal what gives you life. Nobody can steal what God's given you to give you life. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 10. He says, there is a thief and their purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, to rob you of what gives you life. So do you want to know what imposter syndrome looks like? Imposter syndrome looks like this. You've got your cup, right? Imagine that this cup is your life. Right now it's an empty cup and, and you want your life to be full. You want your life to have purpose. You want your life to have meaning. And you'd never want anybody to know if your cup was empty, that you didn't have something to offer. And, and so what do we do, right? Well, there's imposter syndrome. We, we take something and, and we, we cover ourselves. I don't want you to know the real me. So maybe we, we learn some new lessons. We pick up some new hobbies. We fill out our resume. We're looking really good and, and we're starting to feel fine about that, right? But we can keep on adding to that stack. We can keep on adding to that list. Look at me. Look at me. See all the stuff that I've got? Well, this is getting really heavy, we start to say. 
What's wrong? Why doesn't it feel like it's full? Okay, maybe I just need to do more. All right, fine. So what I'm going to do now is, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to look cooler. I'm going to start to talk cooler. I'm going to be funnier. I'm going to seem more important. I'm going to be smarter. Oh, man, this is really heavy. Why am I not full? Because the thing is that these are really good things. Don't come here. Like they're, they're good things in your life. But they're not going to fill you. They're good things. But there is a thief, there is evil in the world that's trying to tell you that these good things have to be your everything. And when you wear the weight of them, they don't fill you. They, they, start, they start to crush you. I want to invite you tonight to put that down. To let that go. Jesus instead has a different promise for us. A promise that says that you get to be you. You get to be your authentic self. You don't have to be an imposter. The surprise that we've all been waiting to hear is that there is someone who does know us deeply and likes us even more for it. When was the last time that you were just freely yourself? When was the last time that you weren't afraid of what somebody else was thinking about you? When was the last time that you stepped in that kind of place? Oh, that would be the right place. That would be the right time, wouldn't it? We could all go for that. Uh, about a month ago, um, my, our, our, our congregation, Lutheran Church of Hope, we had vacation Bible school. It was amazing. Just by, did anybody here grow up going to vacation Bible school at Hope? Oh, come on. Was it like, I mean, like talk about heaven on earth for a week. Am I right? It's incredible. Give God, give God praise for it. Why not? I, I heard somebody start to clap. I'm like, I'm not going to stop that. But it's so fun because the cool thing about vacation Bible school is these thousands of kids, you get together across our different campuses and they just, they just express themselves. They're just so totally fine with who they are because of who God made them to be. Maybe they haven't been scarred by the world yet that says you have to be something else. You have to be somebody else. You have to cover yourself. So one day I was watching these kids after VBS. They had ice cream sandwiches and they were just goofing around. They were just thinking they're so funny. There's one kid, he thinks he's being hilarious. And he was, he was being so funny. He's chomping down his ice cream sandwich. He's like, hoo, hoo. And he's like, looking at his face, like, look at me. Hoo, hoo. And then he starts to say, I'm a hungry hippo. It just keeps on saying it over and over again. I'm a hungry hippo. I'm a hungry hippo. And I'm watching them like, that is just so beautiful. You are just so entirely you. And then I thought for a second, what if I do that? What if you do that? I mean, it's one thing to do the things that make us feel like ourselves. It's one thing to be our authentic selves in front of someone who loves us and accepts us. But what about when, what about when it's around a stranger? What, it's about, what about when it's around that new roommate? What about when it's around that new professor? What about when it's around that new love interest? All of a sudden, then you feel a little bit scared. I'm so fortunate in my life. I've got, like, my wife is so cool. Like, she knows I'm weird, but she loves me for it. You know what I'm saying? It's so good. So I can be goofy. I told her, like, my life goal is to make her laugh, and it works mm, half the time. But no matter what, 100% of the time, she loves me, and, and I, I can't believe it. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And uh, about a day after I saw this kid just being so funny, right? We're at a wedding, and we're with some other friends who I, who I feel like I can just be myself around and, and be goofy and, and they know me well and, and I'm okay with that. And we're walking uh, through the reception hall and we're walking by this snack bar and it's just got the most delicious snacks. I'm like, oh, that looks good. And I thought to myself, this is an opportunity to make my wife laugh. And so I go up there, I take a giant cup and I just absolutely smother it in popcorn and I lift it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so funny. I turn around with all the enthusiasm. I take a handful, shove it in my mouth and I say, I'm a hungry hippo. The only problem is my wife and my friends kept walking. 
And I'm screaming in the face of a woman I've never seen before. And I just wanted to shrink. I just wanted to go away. I wanted to disappear. I like walk over, I'm like in shame. I'm kind of laughing, kind of crying. I couldn't really decide between the two. I get to my wife, I get to my friends, I'm explaining to them and they just laugh. But the cool thing is they weren't laughing at me. They were laughing with me. They're like, that's just you. That's fine. We love you for it. Oh, how refreshing it is when you get to put down that front, when you don't have to wear all those covers, when you can show somebody, this is who I am, not because I say it, not because somebody else says it, because this is who God made me to be. This is who God, who before the creation of the universe, had me in mind, and this is who God made me to be. So let me show you what it looks like. Jesus says there is a thief who's come to kill and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come to rob the thief. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus says, I will follow the, the thief into his home of death, and I will come back and I will return to you everything that's been taken. You get to be yourself. I leave your shame. I leave your pain. I leave your embarrassment. I leave your guilt. And instead, I bring you new and everlasting and satisfying life. Kairos, I just want to invite you this year. Enough with the covers. Be okay. If this is you on some days, say, this is me. This is where I'm at. I'm kind of feeling empty. But you know what's beautiful? When we take off those things that are just fronts and in the end are just covering us up and they're so heavy, when we try to carry them, they just start to crush us. When we let those things go and we're vulnerable, like, this is where I'm really at. We find, like, that's when Jesus fills us. That's when Jesus has access to us. That's when we start to receive God's gift of grace. We're like, wow, there is life. There's a rich and satisfying life out there for me. No, it's not perfect. Sometimes I will end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I know that there is a God who has chosen to go with me into every single one of those places and give me grace anyway. How beautiful it is to be secure in that. You don't have to make a choice to be in the right place at the right time with God. God has chosen you. And so it says in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 1, this is God's plan. Oh, God does have a plan for your life. At the right time, he will bring everything together. He chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Do you see this? You didn't choose God. God chose you. You don't have to make a choice to be right with God. God made a choice to bring you to him. Say, I've come to give you rich and satisfying life that nobody can ever take away. God has a plan A. Here's God's plan. It's to bring us together. It's so that everything would be brought together, that we would be okay with being around one another and say, I don't have to put up the front anymore. I don't have to be an imposter. There's no need for that. Because there is a God who does know me. There's a God who has pulled back the curtain. There's a God who knows me better than I know myself, likes me more than I like myself, and loves me more than I'll ever dare to dream. This is true for you. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God likes you better than you like yourself. And God loves you better than you'll ever dare to dream. You are God's plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. Because God is God. When God makes a choice, there's no going back on that. It's the right time for it something incredible about that. You know, it's like, okay, well, if I could get to that right time, that right place, like I want to experience that. Come on, God, go ahead. Give me that this year. I'd, I'd love to receive it. Give me the right place, the right time. Come on, come on, come on, come on. When's that going to happen, we ask? 
there, there's a word that's used there. It's, it's the right time. But it's interesting. It, it's, not, it's not the kind of time that we oftentimes think of. It's not chronological time in the, in the sense that you get when you're running late for class and you hear the ding, 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 you know, from the campanile. Instead, it's, it's a feeling of time. It's a time that's set apart. It's time that God uses. It's God's time. It's the right time to remember that no matter what choice you make, no matter how many wrong places or wrong times you feel like you're in, God has chosen this as the right time to choose you. And the word for that is what we named our ministry after. It's, it's Kairos. It's the right time. This is what Kairos is about because this is what following Jesus is about. You don't have to wait. The time regardless of what your watch says, is now. So here's what Kairos can be for you this year. You ready? I really hope that you take this. Kairos is a time to know God and to be known by God. The creator of the universe who wouldn't stop creating until you were made. It is a time to be in touch with that God. Your soul longs, longs to be in company with its creator. Your soul feels comfortable. Your soul feels loved. Your soul feels welcomed. Your soul feels accepted in the arms of your perfect parent. So this family's not complete without you. Kairos, it's the right time to remember God chose you. It's community where you can be you. I've taken courage. I've taken comfort. I've taken confidence in knowing God, you, you, you know me better than I know myself. And you have feelings for me. You have commitment to me. You have an adoration for me that I could never dream possible. I'm confident in that because I don't care what the world says. If you say I'm good, God, I believe it. Turn to the person next to you and say, oh, I'm good turn to the person next to you again and say, and you're good too. Kairos is the time where you know God and you can be known by God. Kairos is the community where you can be okay with being yourself because God's given you that courage to be your authentic self around one another. And it is a mission where we continue to extend the grace so that others might experience the soul satisfying love of Jesus, that their heart may be filled, that they may throw away the books, that they may throw away the covers, that they may put down the front, that they may no longer be an imposter, but instead be their genuine, authentic, true self before the creator of the universe who says, I wasn't done till I had you. There's no one doing that choice. I think this is the right time. I think this is the right place. It's God's time. You want to be a part of that? What do you say? God chose you. It's right. Amen. Let's stand and sing.